Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of COVID Inspiration. I know that uh, we've been waiting six, six o'clock to have this conversation, but we're happy that finally we're able to do this, and we're grateful to our guest today who has defied all the challenges, including traffic and weather, to be with us this evening. I have with me in the studio this evening, uh, a woman who has a great passion for education, a doyen of the education industry, who has served a generation and generation yet unborn by contributing to the transformation of the educational sector for many years. She was director uh, for Corona uh, Trust for many years, served in different capacity, consulting for government, both at the federal and state level. She needs no introduction. The Honorable Commissioner for Education in Lagos State, Mrs. Falashade Adefisaya. Please join me, welcome with me, Mr. Adefisaya. Good to see you, my Honorable Commissioner. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. <laughs> How, uh, thank you for defying the traffic and all the sacrifices that you made to join us. How are you coping with uh, the lockdown? Partial, are you back at work fully or are you still doing skeletal work? Well, I, I go to work. <laughs> <laughs> but my office is my people, I mean, roast, there are people are roasted, but I go virtually every day. So would you would you say that this period is a, a bit more relaxed or there's still the pressure? Have to... The pressure is there because right now we have to do well, a lot of strategizing, planning, thinking, preparing, and so on. So pressure is still there. So let, let's start on a, on a light side of the Commissioner. How was... This is not your first stint in public service. We're also in Oshun. But compared to the private sector that you've worked for many years and now in public service, how has the experience been in the last one year? Well, it's a different learning experience for me. It's a different uh, experience. But um, ultimately, I think um, if one is clear about one's goals, then I think, I think it's been a great experience. I wouldn't... Uh, exchange it for anything, so I'm fine. At what point were you, did you hear that you were going to be in the cabinet? What was your first reaction? Did you sit down in a chair? I was speaking to one of the ESC members and he said, when he got a phone call from the AQS, he, he sat, da uh, sat down in a chair and, and said to himself, uh, can I, he said he asked, can I sit down? Can I sit down for a second? What was your first reaction? I wasn't called because I wasn't in the country. I was on training outside, so they had been calling me and calling me. Eventually, the list came out, so it was friends who started texting me that was I the one on the list, and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I've not seen the list myself. So, so that's how it came out. Well, glory be to God for that. So before a lot of people are watching because they're interested in the response to coronavirus, but before we go to that, Education is your baby. It's what you have lived your life to do. It's, it's what you have sacrificed a lot to do. It's your passion. Um, and you know, they say that real changes takes place in deep crisis. What momentum has COVID-19 built in education globally, not just in Lagos? Well, it has made us realize that um, we cannot teach the way we've always done. Mm.
on. Bring yeah, we, we knew that and what we are doing, that we have to change, we have to uh, integrate technology into our teaching and learning. We have to teach our teachers new skills. We have to be able to use a variety of social media or another media to teach and learn and uh, communicate and, and so on. So it's really had it's really competed to us changing our practice, and I I sincerely I really think it's going to be a permanent change. I don't think we can go back to what it was before. So what would you say is the future of education and learning based on what we have seen now practically, and also what role should the what should be the role of educators in the future? Well, it's quite clear that um, um, we will still, I, I think we'll have to have what you can call blended learning, that is teaching across a variety of platforms and not just uh, simply believing that education happens in a particular building. So while the buildings will be there and people will still go to school, I think, and this is my own conjecture, they, they will have to blend with learning across different platforms. We'll have to make it a global thing so that our students here really can learn from anywhere, can learn from anybody. We don't have to confine them to their particular teacher. So I think it, it, it's going to make, uh, it, we are going to be able to transcend the barriers of geography, time, place, and uh, so on. I think that is clear. And as educationists, uh, we all have to realize that this is, this is reality. It's not, um, something that uh, will change. We won't go back to the good old days, as we like to describe them. We must move forward to the good new days. But how do uh, the, you know, the ideas that you're sharing are novel, but there are financial implications. And if you look at what is going on right now, there are going to be perhaps austerity measures. The price of oil has gone down in many countries. Revenues have gone down. Uh, how and the infrastructure to actually embrace this new innovation? Uh, how will you? How do you think that educators and government across the continent are going to cope? Do you know that really at this point we have no choice because even when we open schools, we'll have to obey the laws of social distance. And if we look at uh, the population explosion, especially in government schools. That There is no way they won't affect us because um, uh, <laughs> we have no choice. And that's the way I look at it, that this thing has left us with no choice. So we'll just have to put on our thinking caps and look for creative ways, develop uh, partnerships. This is where we'll have to look at partnerships and relationships and call on them to support us in this uh, drive. Educator, well, Commissioner. Yeah. Yes, go ahead, please. I educators, you just have to change. You you can no longer, you know, when they started talking about educators no longer being the sage on the stage, that is, you know everything. You stand in front of children and you just dish out things to them. Now you, they say it has moved to a stage where educators will now become a guide on the side that is facilitating the learner because you, you are just not going to be in the same room all the time. So you have to teach your learners again to be self-directed, self-motivated uh, learners. And so teachers will just be helping them through this process. It, it's just, it, it, it came, you know, we were doing it slowly. Thank you, we'll change, we'll add this, we'll do this this year. But we've now seen this thing, this uh, COVID has just said, you have to do it, we have no choice, honestly. <laughs> But the, the, the question still remains, you know, so there's all the online learning, there's all the online teaching going on across 
uh, across board. But the issue is still the assessment. How can we evaluate students in this period in ways other than standardized testing? Well, in particular, when there's no possibility to do that. That's the beauty of on, online learning. I mean, if, if we, you see what we are doing now in many instances, and I hope people will forgive me for this. Uh, I don't mean to cast aspersions at anybody, but it's really not online learning. What we are doing is that we are doing emergency remote or distance learning. That is, <coughs> excuse me. Bless you, man. Classroom practices of lecturing and so on. We have just taken them and put them in a different mode. Like when you have Zoom meetings, and you have all the children sitting at screens and watching you. That's just a very small part of online learning. The power of online learning is how you can, oh, I'm sorry, we, we, that's, that, that, this is Nigeria. So, <laughs> we power on immediately, we power on immediately. We can hear you. You can hear me, all right. So, um, it's quite clear that, um, We'll have to, the power of online learning, like I said, is how you can work collaboratively in groups. You can do project-based learning, inquiry-based models. You can, people can do a lot of reflection. People can work together in groups and you can have asynchronous and synchronous uh, teaching and assessment. Students can do their homework and submit it. Their teachers can mark and send it to them. They can send comments and so on. So that's the beauty and the strength of uh, online learning. It's, it's quite powerful. It's more powerful than what we are doing. But, and it's quite powerful, that, that much I'll say. And so when would we get to that level, really? When? Uh, like I said, we have to rush the process now. It has given us no choice. It has given us no choice at all. Uh, in in uh, many private schools, we have gotten to that uh, level. In many private schools, they've gotten to that level. In in public schools, um, we haven't gotten to that level yet. But we've taken we are we are a step we are a few steps away. And what we'll keep doing is keep improving, keep improving, blending the learning so that we blend the um, what do you call it classroom practice with the, the use of the medium that we are using now, which is basically radio and also television. And then we are going to transit to online learning eventually. And I think it's, it's, and it's not going to be that long, believe it or not, because we have no choice. This mm. thing is not, that we are not going to wake up mm. one day in, the, in, in a few weeks and say, oh, COVID has gone. No, it's with us. So because of that, we'll have to maintain certain laws. It's as if it's forcing us to rethink the way we used to teach and learn. Standardization versus innovation. What system should we aspire to, in particular in Lagos? Right now, it's we in Africa and in Nigeria, we have a system that is highly standardized. It's been the way that it's been for many years. So, you know, what 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 well, I do believe that there should be a curriculum. I do believe so. I believe that um, because the curriculum is, is what is going to organize the body of knowledge and learning into well, what you can call coherent and um, coherent um, bands, like physics is a, like bands of knowledge, like physics, like chemistry, like English and so on. So I think we will have the curriculum. But I think what, what we're trying to do in Lagos State is to 
expand the scope of that curriculum. So while we will deliver the Nigerian curriculum, look at it as a matter of content, we are looking at how we are going to integrate with the, the essential 21st century skills. We are looking at how we are going to uh, uh, expand assessment in the classroom, especially to include uh, a lot of formative assessment so that we are able to do more project work with the children. We are doing a lot of things with the curriculum, actually, working on the curriculum. It's not, it's not easy work uh, because it's, it's going to lead to a massive paradigm shift and we'll have to do a lot of training on, uh, of our teachers, but uh, we are willing to take that uh, step. Uh, Honorable Commissioner, a lot of businesses beside the education sector have suffered uh, from COVID-19. Teachers has, have also been directly impacted. How is your ministry trying to improve and boost the morale of teachers and reassure the relevance in these times and beyond? Well, I, I, I must say that uh, I, I thank the government of Lagos State, led, ably led by uh, Imebu, Mr. Governor, Mr. Rishola, because for the public school teachers, they, they continued to, they were able to continue earning. Now, for others who are not earning, I, I think, again, many things are going to happen. We are not going to be able to, and, and I'm picking my words very carefully, uh, that is uh, many private schools who suffered uh, incredibly during this period. I think uh, you, they will find that things too have changed. A lot of teachers have changed. Teachers have started looking for alternative sources of uh, revenue. Teachers have started doing things to earn income in their own way. And uh, schools will just have to be willing to meet teachers on their own terms, I think. I think, um, I think things are going to be very different, even for teachers going forward. But I cannot say categorically that I, I can't say that we have palliative, but that is food and so on. What we can do with schools is to support schools so that they are able to run. And that's what we are trying to do with the Lagos State Employment Trust Fund so that uh, schools continue to be able to run. Because when, they, when schools can open, when they can have students, and they have teachers, they'll pay teachers, teachers will be comfortable. So I think that's uh, some of the things that we just have and that we are, we are, we are doing our best to look into. And the private sector is not sitting waiting for us. The private sector is also working hard with various banks and so on so to support them and to give them palliatives, give them those. You don't need palliatives like rice. What you need at this point in time, palliatives like um, support. So I, I, I think all of us are working together to get as much as possible from the financial sector. Um, thank you very much. Uh, um, the state government, under, in particular the Ministry of Education, under your leadership, has taken a remarkable step towards narrowing the education gap between the privileged and the not so privileged. What what are you going to do differently? What are we going to? to I just described it. We'll we'll continue working on narrowing that gap because what we're going to do differently is we are going to address first of all we are going to address how we teach. Uh, we mm. did say we have to have a blended learning approach. And um, even after COVID, we don't uh, intend to stop doing the online learning that we're doing. The, the, sorry, we don't intend to stop the radio and so on. We, we want to use it to reinforce the classroom teaching and learning. Again, we are now going to work deliberately investing in our online, uh, the online side of uh, teaching and learning. 
and uh, we continue to call for devices. People continue to give us. We are going to start giving them out within a week or two. That is a great faith. The partnership with First Bank has been able to yield into. So I'm going to come into your achievement over the last one year and the great projects and strides that you have done. And let me let me wrap up first with the concerns from the public. There's a lot of concern from schools uh, in this period, in particular the the private uh, uh, sector um, uh, educators. Um, also, as you're aware, well, Commissioner, today University of Cambridge announced that they will continue online classes till autumn 2021. Since the safety of our children are paramount, do you think that the third term will be declared very soon by the Lagos State Government online at, no, at, at least? I, I cannot... Um, we are watching the behavior of the, of the pandemic. We cannot say specifically that we are going to open on so-so day. We are also working with the federal government because it's not a decision that any state can take unilaterally. So we are working with the federal government. We are looking at the behavior of the pandemic, of the virus, and uh, we, the, the main thing for us is safety first. Safety first, safety second, safety third. If we are certain that our children are fairly safe, we will open schools. But we are so not- talking about safety. Mm -hmm. Go on. Talking about safety, um, you know, are there proposed guidelines? Are you working already on proposed guidelines for when school eventually reopens? Are there going oh. to be COVID protocols in school? And how do you plan to enforce those protocols? Oh, absolutely. We 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 we, uh, we are already working on a paper. We are working with the Federal Ministry of uh, Education. Work and they have a group working with NCDC. That is the Center for Disease Control, working with the uh, development agencies. And we've come across, we, we've uh, together developed uh, a very robust uh, paper that will set in place the protocols for schools to open. And uh, we will make that public as soon as, you know what, that whenever we say schools are going to start, there will be notice, there'll be time for schools to prepare. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say open and on Monday they open, no. We are going to have time within which they'll be able to put in place those protocols. And our uh, Office of Education Quality Assurance is working hard. They are going to ensure compliance. So uh, bearing in mind your last point, you don't think that there is any way that in particular private schools that have access to online curriculum, international curriculum, would be able to open online uh, or offer their, their thought term online aside from the fiscal? It's not, it's not a decision that is mine. Is the decision that has to be made by the federal government. So I, I can't so comment on, on that, yes. Moving no. forward, talking about your your achievement in the in the first one year, what, what would you consider your seven topmost achievement as Ministry of Education in Lagos State in the last one year under Babajidu Sholasawolu? Okay. I think first of all, um I should have brought my document along. But first of all, uh, I think we'll start with infrastructure. Uh, we accept that the infrastructure in many of our schools is below par. And so we developed uh, plans for infrastructure. So while we did this palliative, very quick one with 60 schools, we've also started working on infrastructure across the board. And uh, a lot is going to be happening over the next month or two. Chairs and tables, they have already started delivering. So we faced infrastructure. I think that's number one. Uh, delivery has started. COVID did set us back uh, a month or two, but within a month or two, we'll start delivering. So we have uh, uh, focused on infrastructure. 
That is where the children are going to learn. Then next, we had to look at what the children are going to learn. So uh, in this case, we looked at the curriculum, like I said, we did a lot of work training the teachers, training the curriculum developers, and uh, uh, working with all sorts of uh, associations, Mathematical Association of Nigeria, Science Teachers Association, and so on, to strengthen the existing curriculum uh, by integrating, like I said, the core skills. And here I will say a big thank you to the British Council, who are great partners in this uh, uh, endeavor and were with us every step of the way. So that's uh, the curriculum, what the children are going to learn curriculum. Now we looked at our teachers because the most important factor in teaching and learning is the quality of the teachers. And so we had mm -hmm. to look at teachers. We didn't have enough teachers. That was number one. So one of the earliest things that we did was to call, was to request that we be allowed to recruit and so we are we've concluded 2000 teachers in the secondary school uh sorry 1000 teachers in our secondary schools we are working on 2000 in the primary schools and uh we are also looking at um uh you know upgrading every quarter because the rate of retirement of teachers is very high and uh, we've been allowed to at least replace retiring teachers so looking at teachers we've increased the numbers. Now looking at teachers, we've done a lot of training. We've expended a lot on training our teachers on improving their classroom skills. That's very important to us. And this was a period, this COVID period was a remarkable period when we were able to do a lot of things. For instance, we have another partnership with Microsoft and Microsoft are training 18,000 of our teachers on digital literacy. And so they are going to come out of this being able to work comfortably with Word, PowerPoint, Excel. They are doing it on Zoom. So first of all, they are learning to be computer literate straight away because they are now familiar with the Zoom as um, you know as an uh, as a medium by which they can learn as well. So we've uh, expanded. Even uh, then, there's the wonderful program called Eco Excel, which we. Uh, which, which was introduced into our primary schools. This is, um, well, people call it teaching using the, the tablet, but what I see is that it has improved the classroom engagement uh, management uh, strategies of our teachers considerably. In that now, they are able to incorporate a lot of teamwork, collaboration, games, and so on. Learning has become fun, and the teachers are totally enjoying it. You see them singing and dancing. You know, and it's not all about teaching and dancing, but it's all part of it. And you see that they're able to engage their learners uh, significantly. So the EcoExcel program, and uh, we are going into the second phase of the program. We are planning it. I'm sure that uh, very soon we will start to implement it. We've already implemented across 300 schools, uh, 300 of our primary schools, the third of our primary schools, but we are moving so that uh, COVID has set us back again, but no excuse. We were supposed to launch fully by September, and but we think by the end of this year, we will be able to launch fully. Another thing that we've done is that we've looked into uh, partnerships. We've realized that... Um, we need to work with partners. In a lot of the things that we want to do, we need to work with partners. And so in working with partners, we've developed a lot of relationships. I've, I've mentioned some here. There, there's also, I will still mention one more when I talk about the seventh initiative, but um, we were working with a lot of partners who have supported us in cash or kind. They, we are working with people who want to set up vocational schools in the state. We are working with people who, who are donating devices to us. 
We are working with people who are training our teachers. Like I said, Microsoft, 18,000 of our teachers training free. And uh, we've done a lot of training with people. Scenario, we've even, we even had 11,000 of our teachers wanting to sign into a, a initiative on scenario planning, on strategizing in the classroom, and so on. So all these things are ongoing. And, and uh, seventh, I mean, there are a lot of other things I can say. I would really, really uh, like to talk about our focus on our technical colleges. We have five, and but that's not enough in this kind of society. So again, mm -hmm. we are working on uh, building a sixth one. Uh, some of the early groundwork has been done, and it's just for us to now start to do the work to build a new school, open the school, and uh, expand opportunities for students. Because we realize that the children in those schools, that those are five technical colleges. Those, those are the schools that they come up from. I tell you where the students all have something to do. They all have some qualification that will enable them to do something. Whether it's work somewhere, intern somewhere, or even start their own uh, businesses. So we want, of course, um, technical vocational colleges have bad rep. And so we are working on a branding program. And then I must now talk about the integration with technology. We've been talking about integration with technology. And this is one thing that we just have to muster the strength to do. And um, we're working with First Bank, yes, uh, for, the, for supporting us with the devices for our students. So that on which we preloaded the Nigerian curriculum and uh, a number of tests and quizzes, and uh, it even has a radio, and and so it, that will tie into our radio programs. And um, it has a radio; it has links to uh, links online, and we are working on all these. And there's just such a lot. It's a cauldron of activity, but um, I'm sure people have started seeing. I mean, within two weeks. Of the lockdown, we we started the radio broadcasts. That's that. So I give kudos. I will say thank you. I work with a great team at the ministry. I'm excited. I've never seen such teachers in my life. I've never seen such uh, people, and I'm very excited that I'm working with them. Honorable Commissioner, you gave me five points. I asked for seven. No, seven. I asked. To, I, I gave you seven because I was counting it myself. What are the <laughs> infrastructure, teachers' yeah. capacity? A co-excel uh -huh. partnership technical colleges. What about the um, integration with technology and teacher training? What about um, integration with technology? What about integration with technology? It's it's a big thing and it has to be on its own. It's not under on any. Own. It's it's on its own. It's it's a big it's a huge uh, part of what we are doing. You know, so uh, that learning out of our curriculum development you, you didn't mention that yeah yeah commissioner you have increased budget in this year for the first time amazing the governor has moved from i think was it 12 before to 18 or was 8 to 12 one of those so there's a huge budget increase for education in lagos state what are we expecting to see in the next one year fantastic yeah, seven achievement ready I mentioned some of the things that we're doing by the by within the by the end of this year you'll see significant uh, changes in everything you see um i didn't even talk about what we are doing with the uh, improving yec results the training of the students yeah. in and all that so you'll see a lot of improvement by the end of this year 
Teachers' welfare is another priority. Teachers still have to go from one area. They live in Ikorodu. They are teaching in uh, Egbeda or in Ikeja or in Suriliri. I'm sure that the administration is doing something about that. Do you mind to share? Can you hear me, Honorable Commissioner? Can you Sorry. hear me, ma'am? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, I can hear you clearly Am now. I on? Yes, you're on. Yeah. I, Am I on? Everybody, okay. Let me continue talking. I've not heard from Dio. I we, understand. We can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. About teachers and distance from... Welfare, um, such as housing, yes, and all of that. Yeah, that, that's one of the things we've talked about with the Ministry of uh, our Ministry, uh, the ministries that support us, that uh, in our schools, we would like to include, first of all, those in River Rhine and so on areas. I hope you know that they get a, a special allowance for working away from town. So that's that. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's not new. It's something that has been. Where I, I can't claim credit for that. And um, so in the first place, they do get that. And uh, secondly, what we're trying to do is to get housing, is to work on housing for our teachers. Absolutely. Um, what school infrastructure? I think I will wrap up here as 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 we go, so that I can let you relax. Thank you so much because you literally were coming from Tolmelan Bridge straight into the house to to be on this. Thank you very much, Honorable Commissioner. My final question will be around school infrastructure. So you're building schools, um, you're renovating schools. Uh, but the reality is that most of the structure and the the, the layout that we have in our schools have uh, from time past. I've always been the same. There's no green area. There's no playground that is equipped. I'm sure that the government is also planning something about this. this is an opportunity to inform the Goshen on the aesthetics of the environment for learning, making classroom. I remember that you went to commission the school in Makoko, beautiful classroom that were engaging for young people. What do we expect to see in, in the next two, three, four years in terms of remodeling our learning environment? Well, phase one is the infrastructure, and phase two is moving into the aesthetics. But there you are, we throw it back to you. You are in suburb. Are you not? <laughs> what are you doing? What What are your plans in suburb about beautifying the classrooms in primary schools? Well, today I'm not a board member on the show. I'm just <laughs> Dio Israel. <on> the... <laughs> uh, I heard you. I heard Absolutely, you. man. Thank you so much, Honorable Commissioner. Um, finally, I want you to say uh, a word to all the teachers, uh, the quality assurance officials, uh, education officials who are watching this show in this COVID season. Well, I want to say that um, I thank you all. Um, it hasn't been easy for many. Uh, many have worked beyond, way beyond the normal call of duty. All we are seeing is the radio. The work that goes behind is remarkable. Many of the teachers were required to set, the teachers were required to set up WhatsApp group with their students. So they were also teaching on WhatsApp. Some have taken it to such a high degree that we have some who now have Telegram where they have a thousand followers, where they are teaching maths, English, physics, and so on. So our teacher, and I had to call one, how much are you paid? She said, nobody pays me. So when people are working beyond the normal call of duty, I think one should always thank them. 
So from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you. I, I think we are all in this journey together, people working in the ministry. It's going to be a remarkable journey. COVID, I, in fact, I'm sorry I kept saying it set us back. COVID has changed our expectations and has made us rethink the way we do things. And I'm glad that you rose to the occasion and showed that you were true professionals indeed. Uh, I've always regarded leadership as a gift from the people to the leader. I thank you all for giving me that gift. I hope I'll be worthy of it. And I promise you that I will do my best to ensure that education in Lagos State with us working together becomes as great as it should be. Thank you. Thank you so much, Honorable Commissioner. It is so great to have you on the show and to share with us the great work that you're doing in your ministry and the achievement of the administration in the area of education from infrastructure to building capacities of teachers to a co-excel to building partnership for long and long-term impact um, to the renovation in the technical colleges, integration with technology and curriculum development. We wish you good luck in the next one year, Mrs. Adifisayo. God bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace, man. Amen. Thank, Thank you very you much. So much, everyone. So I can leave ahead, now. Man. Okay. Yes, you can. Everyone, thank you so much. We're going to go live now with the uh, special advisor to the governor on works in one minute. I'm going to end this conversation and we're going to open a new link with the special advisor on works. Thank you so much. One. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second segment of today's edition of COVID Inspiration. Uh, it's another amazing conversation. We just finished with the Honorable Commissioner for Education of the Lagos State. We're now going to speak to one of the most important cabinet members, which all of us are concerned about the work that she's doing, uh, and we have interested in speaking to her. She is a former director in Julius Merger, 30 years of experience in the sector, who has now brought a wealth of experience into uh, the public sector to help transform Lagos and make Gritos a, a greater city. Please welcome with me, engineer, Mrs. Aramidi Adeyoye. Honorable Commissioner, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Israel. Thank you for having me on your program. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can imagine, I know that you were also affected by the traffic, so ultimately you know what is going on in Lagos and I'm sure that you're gonna tell us what you're doing about it. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. Before, I, before we go into what you're doing about it, I first want to ask you, what has been your experience in the last one year, transforming from the private sector to public sector? Oh, beautiful question. <laughs> it's a world of difference. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, coming from a private sector background where you have things um, running fast and snappy, decisions are faster and quicker. Um, when, you come to the, when you come to the civil service, the public domain, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's restrictive, but at the same time, so there are necessary controls. It's a world of difference, but I tell you the two, I will, I will tell you that it does, the reasons for that restrictiveness is there. In all, I found it very, very easy to transform from one to the other. It's been interesting. I've gotten along easily with people, my peers, uh, but for me, it's quite enough experience. 
what would you consider your biggest lesson so far in this community, in this world of work? Well, I would say something that um, in everything that you do, take service as your ultimate goal. And coming on board with the determination that you want to make things different and better, and you're ready to render this service, the people you owe the obligation to are the people that you're actually delivering that service to. So every day that I wake up, I tell myself, what can I do better? How exactly can we do to relieve the pressure that people are going through? The citizenry. And the interesting part of it is the fact that the themes agenda of the administration of Mr. Babajide Songulu and Dr. Bafemi Hamzat, it's in the cardinal focus, the themes agenda. You see this ministry standing on the four pillars, the, the pillar, the T agenda is clearly stated, it's there, the vision is there. And that's what we're implementing. That this ministry just speaks to that, and everything we do is centered around that, providing all of this work the infrastructure providing the infrastructure as, as depicted um, in that um, encapsulated in that program. Now, before I go into what Lagosians really want to hear and talk about, you're a woman in leadership. You're a woman in leadership. You're at the forefront of policy making, first at the private sector and now in the public sector. Um, would you say that you're satisfied with the level at which women are being engaged in leadership, in particular in the public sector? And how can we increase women participation in public sector leadership? Hmm, beautiful question. You know, when I came in, I didn't even realize I was the first person that would sit on that seat as, a, as the first female special advisor on works and infrastructure in Lagos. It didn't, so it did hit me as a surprise. But I always mm. say something, gender, gender parity, if there is something, they would take and I've learned to, I've seen this happen. In this cabinet, it's the highest number, this cabinet has the highest number of women in, in the entire history of the state. It's never happened. And that speaks to the fact mm. that women are coming up. They're coming up, women, yes. and any society that doesn't give women the leadership role it deserves will find out that something is missing. Uh, Mr. Governor, on the 8th of March, when it was International Women's Day, he actually, he was given the award, the he for she. It speaks to the fact that this is somebody who is ready to give women their primary role, their, their, their responsibility, they're not ready to be relegated to the background. And I think he's demonstrating that clearly. And the women that are in cabinet, they're not just there because they're women, they're there because they're Amazon in their own rights. They have what it takes to come into leadership. And so a lot of things are expected from them. And I'm sure by the grace of God, we will not disappoint the whole city. And I think many more are coming now up. You're Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we celebrate Mr. Governor for prioritizing because if you look at the critical ministries in legal state and agencies, you find the women are playing key roles. But let's go back to your experience, in particular from where you've come from in Julius Berger. Uh, and, you know, that engineering is largely considered a male-dominated sector. Um, does being a woman in this workspace, both in engineering, and, uh, and also in government, does it put pressure on you to perform and not to fail uh, your, your generation or your gender? Hmm. Do you feel pressured because you're a woman to do more? <laughs> not at all, not at all. You said it rightly, when you go, when you study engineering, um, well, I left, I left, I graduated over 33 years ago, and I graduated in 1987, 
And so that, that tells you that in those days, women were not known to read engineering. So uh, we were probably about four mm. in my class that were female. Uh, the current deputy governor in Ubu State, myself, a former ED, two-time ED in Access Bank and, um, and, uh, and GT Bank, and myself. We were, four, we were four ladies in the engineering mm. class. So that tells you because you were four in a class of 90. It doesn't put you mm. under pressure to perform, but what it does is that it makes you know that you, you need to know your onions so that you are not pushed aside. It doesn't put you under pressure because from day one when you mm. decide to read engineering, you know that you are not doing a course one of the mill. Mm. And that's what I've always, over the years, what I've always done is to make sure that you are diligent in everything that you do. You take time to do things excellently well, that you're not found wanting, that somebody is not going to say, oh, it's because she's a woman. But it doesn't come to me as when people tell me say and say, oh, is it because it's a woman? And I say, don't use that language. I don't even see mm. myself as a woman. I see engineering as a profession that anybody can practice, either man mm. or woman. And when I, when I was, my career, I started my career with Julius Berger. Um, for many years, they were not employing women. But I think I broke, the, I broke the ice. By the time they saw what they had, they decided they were going to employ more women. So I created the mm. room for everybody, which I've always done. I try to make the way and other people come in. So I'm like a, I'm like a bar barrier breaker, in short. They <laughs> shatter the ceiling. Yeah. That's the same way that I say I'm a product of grace because I'm a, I come from a family of seven. I'm the fifth of the seven children. So I always call myself a grace product. So what role has your faith played in your journey? Talking about oh. being a grace product, your faith, has faith played in your journey? Tremendously. You cannot, you know, when you, when you, when you know that you're a product of grace every day of your life, you know that you owe it to somebody, that life you know that is not yours. And the only reason why God has created you is for you to be a blessing to people, for you to know that just worship him, do things that he has committed into your hands to do and do it well. He will always be with you. Even when things appear difficult, rough, stormy, he has a way of navigating and you find yourself. I, I tell people, if somebody told me that a year ago, I would be a special advisor to the governor of works and infrastructure, I would tell you, in the first instance, I'm not a politician. I've never found myself in this fair. Yes, I'm a technical person, but I, 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 never, I never imagined that I'll be one. I do things, yes, I do advice privately. I do things, you know, professionally, but not in, not in, the, public, in the public sphere. And normally mm. I'm a private person by nature. So asking me to come to the public domain sphere and then do this, it was a real challenge. It was surprising, but I guess God knew the end from the beginning and things just worked out that way. Talk, talking about challenges and all of that, in, your, in the last one year, have you had a time where you thought, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yes, <laughs> to be real with you, yes. Um, I've, I've never found it. I've never found it difficult working. I'm a I'm a dogged person. I believe in in performance. I I'm not bothered if you tell me there's a task to be done. It has to be it, whatever it costs. It has to be done. So I don't count that as as a burden. But I find myself having to navigate being a from a top technocrat to be a, to be a politician and a technocrat as well. I think those, that was for me. That was the 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 terrain that I I and I'm still learning. I, I'll be very honest with you. I wouldn't say I'm there. I'm still learning because I'm normally I'm a blunt person. I say it the way it is. 
But I'm learning now to be, to understand things from perspective of politics, not just being a technocrat every now and then. Mrs. Adeyoye, what would you want to be remembered for at the end of this first four years? What would you want Lagos to say she did to Lagos? That the woman Your came. Legacy. A woman came and tried, I tried to transform the infrastructural landscape of Lagos. Things that were iterated looked like they were abandoned. She was able to revamp it. And that I can tell you, you, you begin to see in the projects that um, Governor Babaji Donusa Asolu and Dr. Kandri Abba and that are putting up. Projects like Fort Milan Bridge, I pray that it comes up alive. We are in the process of now, in December, I think we opened the bids. 51, the expression of interest was opened. 31 people, after evaluating 31 people came up, we went into the RFP process. Now we're about to go into the RFQ, the RFQ process, and now we're about to go into the RFP process, so we might get a preferred bidder, and we begin to get financial proposals. It will be my greatest joy when I see that project come alive. Even if it's not finished in this first four years, ready on stream. The regional road to the glory of God is already on. It's already on. We are in the process of concluding the, the, the award. That will be a relief for residents along Lekki Equa Expressway as an alternative to the present one. That you can leave BGC and then go through Nikon Town, pass to Elegushi, and then come out at Freedom Way in readiness for the Lagoon Express, Lagoon Express when it's going to be ready. Um, see Ijegun, 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 the petrol tankers road done with the cooperation of the private sector and the tank farm owners. See Lagos Badagri Expressway. Coincidentally, Lagos Badagri Expressway was something that in 2009, I was part of the project when it started. So for me, mm. I'm praying and hoping that by the time I leave this administration, it will have been completed. And I think that this administration is doing very well. We're keeping to awards. Award. When Mr. Governor says, come September, we will be in front of Lasso. Come, come next, mm. the following year, six months, we will come out at Okoko. These are programs, programs that we are projects that have said we will meet up at this time. This is where we'll be. Pen Cinema, when we're able to deliver Pen Cinema and deliver it very well in record time. July, and we're able to commission. I think with those mm. four land, the Fort Milan Bridge, the Pen Cinema finished, the, Fort Mil uh, the, the um, Lagos Managua Expert concluded, the regional road completed, as well as other inner roads that are ongoing. Ijede Road as well. I think I would, I, I would have said, given also the, the level of idea that we have, and the infrastructure that we're trying to fill, I think I'll feel fulfilled. More importantly, for me, this is the processes that we have visualized and put in place now to ensure that value for money, delivery of quality pavements begins to be the norm in Lagos. Once those ones are running smooth and well, when I'm gone, I want Lagosians to be able to say there was a woman who came and who tried to change things so that we begin to do things right. Excellent. Let's talk about the fact that you talked about keeping your words and achieving Lagos Badagri Expressway, the regional road and all of that. How has COVID set you back at all in this process or in this period? And why were you not working to meet your target during the lockdown? Okay, thank you. Um, COVID, like I said, COVID is a new normal now. It's um, Everybody's learning to leave the COVID. You know, with the social distancing, the number of, the way you will even transport your workers, construction companies, the way you will transport your workers to site. You need to get more vehicles to do that. You need to observe, observe social distancing. They need to have facilities in place where people can wash hands. 
observe even the kind of tasks that you give people to do, they need to be able to observe that they're not in more than groups of 15, maximum 20. So in keeping with all of those protocols for COVID, it means that construction companies will begin to fashion out exactly how they will do things to fit into the process. Um, also for most of the jobs, the grade eight contractors, the, the multinationals, the expatriates, most of them were locked out in the, in the process. It's caused the setback, some delays, but I think at the end of the day, we're, we're still on course because when you when you you can you have the ability to be able to walk back and meet those uh, bridge those gaps that we, um, the timeline we lost. So that's what COVID has turned out back to us in terms of increasing cost because those jobs were awarded pre-COVID um, and of course they're not coming in variations. Everybody knows that COVID is something that is a first major. Um, you can have an extension of time but not necessarily qualifying you for, for, a, 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 for a variation in cost. So I think we're doing good, um, but those are, the, those are the downsides of COVID on the projects. And so you, you, I, is there any other thing that you would consider part of your first year achievement aside from what you've mentioned, including the Fort Mainland Bridge um, vision that you have? What would you consider your top seven achievement of the last one year to get to that place where you're looking at the vision that you have, where you want to be by 2023. What what is the baby step that you've achieved in the last one year? Give me at least seven. Number one, capacity development. If you ask capacity development and then the morale, lifting up the morale of the people that I met in my ministry. When I came up on board, everybody was demoralized and people, a lot of people felt um they were just they were just abandoned and and things were not running the way they were supposed to be i think that was one of the first things you cannot be working with the workforce that is demoralized and i want to thank the mm. the commissioner for staff the kind of trainings the programs she's she's done in the last um the courses the webinars that she's provided in the last uh, two months particularly during covid and then also the things that we have done as for the as the capacity building process uh the standard operating procedures that we put in place we took time I came on board and one of the first set of things I kept asking was, why do you do things this way? Don't we have standard operating procedures? And they told me, they said it was, they had something in, in, in a pipeline that was not done. And to the glory of God, the first, the first three months after that I came in, before December, that standard operating procedures, the guidelines across MDAs, the do's and don'ts, what we must do has been established and it's been passed. Waiting for the executive order, the secularization of this executive order, by the head of service. So that was the first thing, the capacity development amongst the engineers. The next, in, the next thing also was to say, okay, I haven't done this one now, the welfare, the tools for working, mm. that has also been upgraded. And then institutionalization of processes, the QAPC, the quality control. The public works is an agency under this ministry. And one of the first set of things was, you know, if you can't measure, you cannot even check what you're doing. And so the first set of things to do was to ensure that the laboratory controls in the output of the quality of what is coming out, we needed to control that. And that's why you see a new rebranded PwC. Everybody's saying they like what they're doing, they like the way they are laying their assets. A lot of investment has been put into equipment, but more importantly, capacity development of the engineers, that they begin to do things right, that they know exactly this is the way to go about it. If you observe all of the roads, the way the, the asphalting, the laying of, of asphalt is taking place now, they have so many equipments now. They have the laboratory controls in place, and then the pavement testing. So there is a there is a, a lab there even before they produce what they're selling. Either they're laying or they are they are producing for supplies out. Everything is checked all along the way. 
So the error, the errors in in production are minimized, unlike before, mm. literally unlike before. So those are for me, those are the first three three things: the capacity development, the motivation, and the morale of the people, and then the QQC procedures and the, uh, the SOPs that have been put in place. Um, fourthly, is to say, okay, how do we begin to do things in our price, in our costing, to be transparent. And that's we're also we're working on. We're working on templates that we can across board, across the division, the, the, the state, that contractors will begin to, to look and to say, if you're working in this region, this is the template of your pricing, because then that factors into account the, 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 the peculiarities or the difficulties of the terrain where you are working. That, that we are in the process of almost rounding rounding up. Aside all of the numerous mm. projects that we, we have we have done, the rigid pavements we are also beginning to come up with more roads in rigid pavement. The Ojota Lake, the Ojota Expressway, you know, the bad portion mm. of that uh, is coming yes. up. Yes. If you notice that, uh, that's the way to go because if you use flexible pavements, you see the roads they fill, the cyclic loadings that you have. We also don't keep. Um, the way we do we do we do um that's good talks do go on, on the flexible pavements around here is not the way it's done. And an asphalt does get tired. When it gets tired, you're supposed to mill off and then relay. Because you also don't have money for maintenance, we don't budget enough for maintenance in this climb. That's why you see those pavements eventually fail because you don't routinely do them. So one of the things is to stop that routine maintenance that we know that this is exactly when we must come in, subject to availability of funds, and we're we're doing that and mapping out. If you see public works come out, the way we're doing the connectivity, we look at the roads and we say, where exactly are these gridlocks? Part of the themes agenda was transportation and the theme, the themes agenda is traffic and traffic management. For you to do effective traffic management, you need to remove the gridlocks. How do you remove the gridlocks when you have portals? You, you recall that when we came in, the rains were terrible. It was like raining yes. cats and yes. portals. It was, it was spot reading. And then the next... Mr. Governor did say at the at the um, Pastor Sobaso um, at the at the at the at that program he did mention he said as soon as the rains are over, we will the platform. Roll, the platform we will roll up our sleeves and walk, and that's what we have demonstrated. We demonstrated, and in three months we were able to turn around that by December because by by September the rains were over, partially over. By October it was out. So the whole of November, December, and January, all we just did was to mop up all of those. So the idea of portals, the rains are here now. We are totally not there, but we are out of the woods. Even during the lockdown, during the lockdown, we did take time to address critical areas around Oshodi Solo. So all around Lake Olati Salami, and Kalisu, out coming out at um, coming out by and um, busting out by um all of those areas were addressed. The gridlock, so the connectivity there is all completed. What we have, what we have left is to tidy up areas like Expressway, as well as Equitoiki. Unfortunately for residents, you know, residents don't even know the difference between a federal road and a state road. As far as they're concerned, it's a road that is within Lagos. <laughs> but as much as the funds are, we try to complement what the federal is doing, where we have the capacity, we go in and fill in the gap. So for me, those are those are key critical achievements that we've done. All of those areas have been addressed, you know, are the new projects that are coming on board. I must say the, the public uh, the public works as um, they, they are they are up and doing. It's not the public works that we know before. And for for this administration, it's one of the it's one of the 
drivers, drivers for performance. And they are not disappointed. Where, where, does not mean we are there. Yes, please. I was hoping to hear about what you have done in Ojokoro and the uh, Shomolu network of roads and the others. I was going to, I was going to come to that. I was going to come to that. So I'm not telling you, you said what are the seven key achievements. I told you, for me, it's about motivation, it's about capacity development, it's about QQC, it's about ensuring templates, it's about putting your standard operating procedures in addition to the deliveries of the things we have done. So what are the things that we have done? Uh, we've had four, four roads with this. In the next one week, four roads will be commissioned in Shomolu. Um, Ladipo, Ladipo and Akiomi in Mushi. You have a permit in Badagri that is also completed as a six kilometer road. That road, it will definitely boost the tourism potential of the state. It's a road that leads to whispering palms in Badagri. Um, you've also had a tattoo network of roads in Ojokoro. So all of those ones were in, in, the, in the last one year, all of those roads are, are, are going to be commissioned or have been commissioned. Uh, you've also had new projects come on board. That's the that's the Jede, the the, the Jede, Jede, Jede road by Arab contractors. You have we trying to finish the Penn Cinema. Hopefully by August, August we should be done with with that. Um, the way we're also looking at, we're beginning to look at even ahead of of all of this that we have done. We're not resting on our ears. Regional road we have kickstarted. We're about to do that as well. And Lagos Panagi Expressway, we will get to the completion target that we have set for ourselves by September at the last junction. Leaving Okokomaiko Junction for third quarter for third quarter next year. So Abdullah the roads that uh, that have come delivered. Abdullah Sadiq says try and do something about Ekwai Beju Road. What plan do you have for roads like Ekwai Beju and also Ijeo Dodo somewhere in Alimosho and other places in that area? Thank you. Um, that has been taken care of, Mrs. Hightech. They've moved to sites. That today, that's a road that was in distress. It's in distress right from Ibeju all the way to Ekpe. Uh, the, what they're doing is to the pavement is going to be changed to a rigid pavement. You know that leads to the Dangote refinery, and then we're intending to have a rigid pavement all all there. There's a new cross section that we're doing, and so we begin a repair work now that takes care of the overall future that we're going to have the rigid pavement. So we're doing a work that is not easy, but it's a long-term solution. So. We're actually going to rebuild the base because the asphalt, we noticed that the sand cement base has failed. So we repair that and then build up, build up the, asphalt, the, the, the cement base and then begin to have a rigid pavement on that. And that will form the final layer that we want that constitutes a new road alignment. So that has been taken care of. And I'm sure in the next, in the coming weeks, you will see Mrs. Zaytek on, on that stretch. For Ijedodo, for many years, that was a road that was abandoned. Uh, that has that contract has also been awarded. It's a road project and a bridge as well. The first segment of it, the road, has been awarded to Mesozotronic. Um, the COVID, the, like I said, those are the downsides of COVID because you don't want contractors to walk, um, violating all of those rules. So I'm sure with the total release of the gridlock and uh, the, the lockdown, the contractor will also move back to site. One of the benefits of this conversation is that people at home are able to ask questions directly. Olu, I know Moses. Okay, before I go to Olu, on your screen you'll see is Taiwo Salvador says, kudos man, the roundabout reformation. We also need to reorient our drivers through daughters of the land. And Olu, I know Moses says, what are you doing about Ishawa Greek Road? If you can take both okay. together. Yes, together. Thank you. I agree, absolutely. Because you can't keep building these roads without orientating the drivers. 
the, we have a driver's institute in Lagos. Last week, for you to be a driver in Lagos, you, you ought to have passed through those schools. The office of VIS, last week, um, through, in, through the office of um, the Commissioner for Transport, they're doing so many programs just to be able to educate people that they begin to know exactly the rules, the signages, and then how to how to be courteous on the road, how to obey the, the traffic rules. And, and I'm sure when we begin to do that, all of the ghost laws that we see, because most of them are man-made. When you see a man suddenly stop on the roadway to pick a passenger, knowing fully well that there's a traffic behind a, a, a car behind him, obviously that person is not following the rules. We need to begin to rent people. We can do so much, build roundabouts, but if you don't retrain those drivers, we'll eventually have the same thing that we have been having before. Good question. I agree with you. I cannot agree less. That we're doing already. I think the process of the process of reorientating them is already commenced through the Office of Transport, uh, Transportation Commissioner. The other thing about Agrikishawe was when we came on board, it was one of the projects that we met that was uh, the contractor at left side. And one of the first things that Mr. Governor did was to get the contractor back to site. As I speak, they are there. Um, the road between Agrikishawo, that road for us is very strategic because the new Fort Mainland Bridge, when you conclude that road, you'll be able to throw the traffic onto the Fort Mainland Bridge. So it's a must that will finish and the contractor is back on site. They might not be working at full capacity because of the COVID and all of its, uh, the lockdown restrictions, but I'm sure when this is over, on full throttle, they, they, will, they will be back. Oh, the Thank, you, Thank you. Excellent. That's good to hear. What are your next year's budgetary target? Your next budgetary year target? Okay. So, given that we finish agriculture, uh, we finish Penn Cinema by by July, delivery July August. We started thinking we need to be able we need to be able to close up the gap from the Baga Ojodu Baga. We're we're thinking of dualizing the road that goes from Wojodu Baga all through, to, through Penn Cinema and from Penn Cinema through, um, through Abulegba. That way the BRT system begins to work. That when you come down to Wojodu Baga, all you just need to do is go on, on the BRT, a dedicated a BRT lane and all through Penn Cinema through Okoba. So that's something I slated for next year. We started working on the designs as I speak and I'm sure before the, before the end of the third quarter will be done with all of those designs and the costings ahead of the budget budget proposals for next year. That's what one of one of the roads we're thinking of. In one of the roads we have awarded, that's Obashekumade. It's in a bad state. It's awarded already. But one of the reasons, one of the reasons why that road was a focal point for us is the fact that the grid locks, when you say you want to move grid locks, and you want to have an intermodal transport system in Lagos. You know yeah. that there is a jetty there. Your idea of having that road is to ensure that from the jetty, you can go on that Obashekumade with the BRT lanes all there and the bus levers, just be able to take the traffic through. In the same way, in Shefu Kamdenis, there's a road that is under construction that goes through, that is in Alimosho, that goes through Shefu Kamdenis. So the water, you're opening up the waterways uh, to traffic. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So all of those roads will finish next year. And late this year into early next year. But the budget, the complementary projects that will ensure that those projects actually begin to complement each other, we've started that. And one critical one is the Ojodu, is the Ojodu Baga to Penn Cinema, as well as Agidigui, to dualize Agidigui. Agidigui, Agidigui Road. Uh, Anna Akim Agbola Nikoi says, any plan for the road from Okeranla to Lagos Business School on Etiosa East? 
LCDA, thanks. That will come it, it, because of it. Like everybody, you know, the budget, the budget with the COVID, COVID poses its own challenges. Even though the budget, the budget for budget size for works, everyone has had a shave. But the degree of shaving is what has what has varied from one agency to the other. So some projects were not able to take in the in the in the network of roads in the state under the IGR. We will see how we can operate them early in the next year's project. Okay, Anla is is one of is one of sorts that would come in that would come in in next year's um, program. Excellent. I hope that Mr. Nikoyi, uh, Agbola Nikoyi, is um, satisfied with that um, feedback from the Honorable Special Advisor uh, to the government. We have a comment from Abdullahi Sadiq. Almighty Allah will give you strength to do something on the Kwebeju Road, though, because it has wasted a lot of resources, both material and human. Thank you for your positive response. Honorable Special Advisor, uh, what would you say is the value of road infrastructure in the team's agenda and the vision of a, of a greater Lagos, which is why you're spending all this money on road infrastructure? It can, that value cannot be, cannot be quantified. You need, you, know, you need those roads to be able to move goods, to be able to move goods, personnel, and they reduce once you are able to provide good roads, it reduces your downtime. You get you get to do things, ease of business gets your rating also goes high up. So for, for us in the team's agenda, that's that's it. The Ministry of Works is saddled with that responsibility of fulfilling and of fulfilling that of that agenda of, of providing those those roads and, and uh, those road networks. So the, the challenge I, you? I can hear you very clearly. Right, I can okay, hear you okay. very clearly. So, okay. so, so social advisor, the, the issue, the, it's a good thing to do the roads, but one of the challenge we also have is the maintenance of the road. Because many times lack of easy maintenance affects the durability of the road. And then you will now have the issues of citizen burning tires on the road. What are you doing in terms of ensuring quality maintenance of our road infrastructure? Thank you for that beautiful question. I, I tell people a road is as good as it's drained. If you don't, if the drain is not good, then you can forget about that road. It's just a matter of time. And all of the things that you see that is looking like, oh, these roads are going bad is because of our habits as a people. Um, our maintenance, our attitude to maintenance. We often don't deceive, like us the flat terrain. Most of those drains that we have, the gradient, the, the, the velocity, the self-cleansing velocity is really not there. You need enough, you need enough um, headroom, gravity to be able to allow that desiccation to stop. So what I tell people is this, if you have your regular desilting process, that drain is able to be cleaned regularly, your roads are likely to last longer. But what do you have when you, when you put tires in the drain, when people take refuse and decide that the, rain, the drains are the dustbin where this thing would flow, believe that when it rains, the rain has the ability to be able to pack all of them away. That's anarchy. That's a recipe for disaster. So one of the things I tell people is when we do these roads and we spend good taxpayers' money to provide this infrastructure or to maintain them, either new or to maintain, it builds us to take ownership of those assets. When, and we can only do this if we stop burning tires in the name of vigilante operations. Because when you burn those tires, it's apart from the fact that it's it's like pollution, it's environmentally hazardous. 
it also the lifespan of that equipment is destroyed because then it's subject to subjected to heat and then it shrinks and then you see craters begin to form there. So we say it, it's one of the cardinal programs in this ministry. We have a zero tolerance. We tell you, take ownership of this asset, stop burning tires. Don't put in refuse in the drains because they don't make these assets last. So it's my advice to Lagosians. These this roads have been built with our money, your money, and it builds on all of us to keep it well. And the only way we can keep it well is when we begin to take ownership of them and stop doing all of those acts. I have another question from Taiwo Oladi Salvador. Any plans to decongest the toll gate in, in Lekki area? We need a program to change the narrative. The traffic creates a lot of time wasted in monetary value. And I have two others after that. Okay, so my, my colleague, the Commissioner for Transport, there is a program that we have. There's something, this administration we have, uh, we're beginning to work out some programs that that congestion, it's a key theory that queue up, just like Lekki, we did that on Lekki Koi Bridge and people saw the traffic reduce. We are, we are thinking of doing something in the same manner for Lekki for Lekki Ekwe, and at the end of the day, I'm sure the negotiations will be happy for what they, what they have. The studies, the traffic studies are almost being concluded. Uh, it's a normal queuing theory process, you're just applying it, and at the end of the day, um, that, that gridlock should, should disappear. There's a question from uh, Dr. Felix Akenusi. He says, 1,000 clap for the Honorable Special Advisor and Mr. Governor. Many Nigerians like the work delivery of Julius Berger over the years. The construction company is tested and trusted by many. In light of this, many are complaining about the work delivery of CCECC in some location in terms of speed and quality durability. A Special Advisor, what is your assessment of the ongoing work by CCEC since the central of the current government in terms of speed, quality, durability, and cost effectiveness? And the second question is that some areas like Trade Fair, Ojo Barracks, Vogue, Ianoba, Okoko Michael are left out by contractors. And the construction of Osho, the Abuli Egba BRT corridor, and I go over here are still ongoing. Any assurance on the completion in the next few months or years? Okay, That's so a will, it's a lot of question. Yes, I will tell you. Um, the fact that I came from, I don't like to talk about. I don't like to talk across. Now I, I think I'm, I'm in a public uh, space. The fact that I came from Julius Baja, it should not be a reference point. For the only reference point is like maybe a benchmark for quality. But even if I didn't come for, for, from Julius Baja, I have a hallmark for excellence. Anything I like to do, I like to do well. And so one of the things that I said something I said for me, it's motivation your staff, your morale, the morale of your staff, motivation and capacity development. They need to know what exactly to look out for, the engineers, what to look out for in, in, supervise, in the supervision of these roads. And so I haven't done that process. I haven't regroomed re and retooled them. They are ready. They, they understand what exactly it takes. CCC is a contractor like anybody. Um, they have been supervised. And like I said, we reject our process of, of, of supervision. Um, in terms of of quality, like I told you, the KQC. I, you asked me, you said, when I leave, what would you like to be known for? I said, a woman who has yeah. come yeah. and who has set something in process to ensure value value for money, at the same time, institutionalized KQC processes that we know that when we say, this is what we're doing, we do it like this way and we get the desired outcomes. And that's what we're supposed to do. The, the, the KQC that you see happening in, in, in public works didn't happen overnight. 
there were resistance, but everybody has found out that this is the way to go. Pavement testing for pavements. It's it's a shame that at this at this stage of our lives as a country that we'll begin to when we we'll do roads within two, three months, we we'll see potholes. It's simply because mm. there were no quality control checks on the pavement. And so when you just put the asphalt without those pavement checks, those quality controls, you will say the roads are failing. So what we have done is this. Before you start building those pavements, ensure that those pavements have been tested all from the subgrade up to the final base level. So we, we have laboratories now, we have people, and we know that the government cannot do it alone. So we are certified laboratories that will, accredited certified laboratories that will test those pavements based on the locality of where the contractor is working. So those, are, those act like independent testing aside from what the contractor is doing. The other thing is to ensure that in your retention, Retention is there, is there, but there is a defect liability period in the, in any in any contract. That when all of these defects are seen, you are not you are made to uh, to made to correct the snags that are obvious on those projects, and we are enforcing that. So when you say that oh, there is a contractor who hasn't done well in terms of quality or whatever, it's reflecting people right from the start. Make sure your supervision is thorough, that you get value for money. You you put your you put your foot down where it needs to it needs to be done. And get get the thing done correctly. The cost of rework is high. No contractor likes to go back to begin to repeat work. So I, I often appeal to my engineers: make sure when you're supervising, look out for all of the all of the all of the loopholes and get things done accurately and well. So the the to the CCC, we are very much on top of it. Um, anything that is not done according to according to the standards, you can be rest assured that they will be corrected. That's why we have a defense liability period. That's why we have provisions in the contract to address such. On Abuliagba, the BRT, the BRT lane, we will finish them. One of the cardinal things, things focus of this addition is government is a continuum. So even if you met a project, if it's in the overriding interest of the public, we will do our utmost best to finish it. That is why we went back to finish Lagos Badagri Expressway, even though it was not this addition that started it. But it's in the best interest because it will help us. The blue line. There is no point for us. How will the blue line connect if this doesn't finish? In the same, in mm. the same manner, in the same manner, Penn Cinema was in the last administration, but it's desire we need to remove the gridlock around the Penn Cinema roundabout. So we have taken the bulls by the on and we're determined and poised to finish it. The multi-agency building in Alausa was a was a project that started about eight years ago, eight years ago, and we're doing our best to finish it before the end of the year. Detour the revenue, the revenue house. So there's so many projects that we met on ground, but once it's in the overriding interest of the public and we look at it, we put it in the in, the, in our in our budget and we plan for it. So at the end of the day, we can reduce the, 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 the stock of the uncompleted projects that we that we met on ground. There, there's a final question on that. I think you mentioned one more thing. It, it, it mentioned two questions: the quality for CCEC. And then the assurance that the the the, the work the Abulegba will be finished, and which I, I said yes, it's a commitment by the state government. And you can see, I'm sure the, the the gentleman who asked the question will testify to the fact that between January and now, the amount of work that has been done in Abulegba speaks to the speaks to the fact that um, the matter is what is up and doing as an agency in the supervision of that project. I think the other question was about trade fair or job barrack Vogue's Iyanoba Okokomaiko says they're left out by contractors. So in the course of work that CCS is doing, um, there are areas that have that similarly have um, issues, issues of right of way. By the barracks, by the barracks, the, the military, the, the, the military um, personnel 
there is a portion that they needed to be able to, to hand over so that the contractor can work. Once that is sorted out, the contractor will move back to that location. So if you see uh, Mr. CCC leave a portion, is because the encumbrances in the right of way, and that's why rather than wait and stay on a particular location, it is best for them to move and then go work in other areas and come back as soon as that encumbrance is, is removed. Ladies and gentlemen, Lagosians, because of the quality of our cabinet members, in particular, the special advisor to the governor on uh, works and infrastructure. Ogoma Cookie says, great to hear that all completed, all projects will be completed and government is a continuum. Well done. That's from Ogoma Cookie. Madam Special Advisor, we're very grateful for your time. And you Lagosians will attest that you have spoken to us out of your heart, your your energy in, in delivering your purpose and you are clear on what you're doing and what you plan to do. We can only pray that the Almighty God will continue to strengthen you and increase you and bless you in this time and season. Before we go, I want to ask you what one question. Um, and that's away from uh, all the uh, busy questions about Lagos and, and Lagosians' priorities. What What is the, is there any moment in the last one year for you that you've just looked at Mr. Governor and say, you know, what's your most interesting or funny moment with Mr. Governor? Uh, the essay, um, SDG talked about how Mr. Governor announced uh, uh, number on television without her knowing. I just was like, oh my God, what has Mr. Governor done? Is there any interesting, you know, light joke or experience that you'd like to share to show the, the human part of His Excellency Mr. Governor uh, uh, to the people who are watching? Okay, thank you. Um, I think that happened at the Eco Hotel, at the council, at the council, at the council. There was a lot of traffic that day. It was a snarling traffic. As a matter of fact, I think the ceremony was supposed to start by 10, and I got into the ceremony at 11. The governor for Ondo State, that, so there were so, there were so many governors from uh, from the from Ogun and the deputy deputy governors, their wives. And then Mr. Governor came in exactly five minutes, so it was right behind me, maybe three cars behind me. I was in front, and as soon as I got in, so everybody everybody had a bite of the traffic that day. So when he said he was trying to say the fact that there were portals on the road, and what was the reason for the traffic? This was also was starting in September or so October when we are just coming, and then the repair the repair process had not commenced um, in earnest, and so it was just a little portal that had cost it. In fact, that gridlock, if that portal had been addressed, would have saved enough manners. But as far as it got mm. to the point, I went to this traffic today, and I know the special advisor. In fact, as far as my phone rang. My phone rang and the governor said, he said, I said, Mr. Governor, I know what you want to say. You want to talk about this photo at, at, at in front of Babbage like this. <laughs> so he said, he said, well, the essay is here. In fact, the moment I called her phone, he exposed me and said, I just called her, but the moment I picked up her, she picked up her phone, she said, Mr. Governor, I'm on top of you. So I just want to reassure you that she's <laughs> So I think uh, it's like knowing who you are as a person. He revealed who I was as a person to the to the entire to the to the, uh, to the garden that day, and that was for me was a was, person. <laughs> was that the road on Amadu Bello Way beside Bello Palace? Amadu Bello Way, yes, exactly. Because there was Amadu a picture Bilo. of you and him. There was a picture of you and him. You know when they were fixing that road that you visited the place. 
I assume that's the one you're talking about. No, 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 no. This was during council. This was during council, and there was a particular portal that was causing the gridlock that made the traffic snarl yeah. all the way from Federal Palace up to a hotel. The one you're wow. talking about, in Mr. Governor, in his passion, uh, the cold patch, you know, a lot of Nigerians will say, oh, why is it that they can't fix roads during the rain? You can always fix roads during the rain. The question is, at what cost? Cold patch asphalts, there's technology everywhere. You have cold patch asphalt that you can use to fix. The question is, at what mm. cost? When you're doing a cold patch, a cold patch is about four times more expensive than the cost of, of normal hot road asphalt that we know here. So we ask ourselves, is this what we want to do given the resources of the state and given the budget size for maintenance? And so rather we prefer to use, put base costs in, put some boulders to aggregate, let people be able to go through. It's a lot of stress and pain, but conserving the funds to repair the roads fully once the rains have stopped. And that's what we have done the last three, four months after that rain stopped. And I'm sure Lagosians will say, um, we are not yet there, but I think we have attempted to, to do a lot of those um, 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 palliatives and asphalt roads better for, for coming for the rains. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the special advisor to the governor on works and infrastructure. Thank you so much, madam, for your time, for taking the time to explain to us and all our viewers about the progress that is being made and also to be able to for being able to explain and take questions from our viewers who are satisfied that they were engaged and they were able to express their opinions and according to them intelligent delivery we hope that you will continue to do great things for the people of lagos we're very grateful for your time and we wish you the best of luck thank you so much uh, madam special advisor thank you so much everyone who is watching and for thank taking you, your time you. and your data to be a part for it. But I'll tell advisor, what is your final comment to our viewers and to those who watch the video later? Believe, believe, in, believe in the government, believe in this administration. You can be rest assured that everybody, including Mr. Governor, Mr. Deputy Governor, every cabinet member, we're not resting on our ears. Uh, the enormity the of the problems are much, but you can be rest assured we're taking them headlong. Everybody in their spheres, we're addressing all of the problems the way they are supposed to be. We're not, we're not taking it uh, with liberty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to all our viewers. We're very grateful for uh, time and your attention. I will see you again tomorrow and next tomorrow and any uh, all the time thereafter. Thank you so much and have a great evening. Ramadan Karim to all our Muslim friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.